Okay, um, so today's case that we're doing is a landmark case, I would say. Um, it's a case that if you are Michelle and I's age, you probably heard of it when you were kids. Um, I know that people in the Sacramento area definitely have heard of this. Um, but what I will say before I tell you who it is, is Modesto, California was popping in 2001 to 2002. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Last season we had Modesto 20, uh, 2001 with my girl Chandra Levy. Yeah. And now at the end of 2002, we got Modesto with my girl Lacey Peterson. Yeah. Damn, Modesto so, was going through it back to back. It really was. So a lot of us um, are familiar with Lacey Peterson's case, but so just a quick little summary or elevator, you know, speech, if you will. Um, Lacey was a 27-year-old young lady who was eight months pregnant and um, she was at home. Her husband, Scott, left. He went to work for a little bit. And then after he went to work, he went and took his boat out on the water. Upon his return home, Lacey was not there. She was reported missing, and then she was washed up on shore months later with her baby, and then everybody assumed that Scott was the killer because they were found about two miles away from where his boat was the day that she went missing. So um, that is that. Is that. But before we hop into that, we're going to introduce ourselves. I'm Amanda Washington. And I'm Michelle Graham. Welcome back to The Point of No Return, a podcast produced under Mandy and Mitch Media. CPONR is a true crime podcast focused on cold cases, murders, and mysteries. Mandy and I, the two Black women masterminds behind the show and the company that produces it, are exploring cases in Sacramento, California, and extended areas this season. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's get into it. Take it away, Mandy. Period. Okay, so y'all are going to hear me use one officer's name a lot. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce him now. His name is Detective Al. Um, sorry, it's like zucchini. Brocchini. 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 Zucchini. Brocchini. Detective yes. Al. Detective Al it is. Okay, Detective Al. Thank you. <laughs> That's fine. So um, y'all know we love to timeline it up. Um, so... I'm just going to start right with the timeline. Well, before I start with the timeline, Michelle, tell me what you remember about this case, if anything at all, and how you feel about Scott Peterson. So, you know, I'm really excited. And when we put this on the slate, I purposely did not go in like geek out about news. Yeah. I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, when I was learning about Lacey, I was very, very young. Like I was hearing it in passing on the news. Mm -hmm. I wasn't digging into it like I would today. And I've looked at the case again, like as an adult, but I haven't heard the story front to back. Like we tell it. So I'm super excited. Um, but yeah, I think Scott is an old dirty scoundrel. So that's how I feel. Okay. All right. I feel like he for sure. Yeah. And I just remember being disgusted and just really, um, creeped out about her body coming up on shore with the baby yeah like I remember that probably vividly like the in, like from the words and the images that were painted through the words I remember that vividly. Yeah. okay all right well um I'm preparing you guys to strap on your seat belts I'm preparing you guys also for your minds to possibly be changed about Scott Peterson um because so you don't think he did it not the scorn lover today oh we in for a motherfucking treat I can't believe this <laughs> Okay. We're in for a ride. So there are several news sources, but there is literally one that's called like Scott Peterson's Appeal. And it's run by people who think that Scott Peterson essentially is innocent. So I read a lot of um, things from that. I read a lot of articles from CNN, from Fox. 
Y'all, web this, sleuth, web sleuth. You hit I web actually sleuth. been web sleuth at this time. It was so much in information. I didn't even have to web sleuth. I okay. like, I was overcome by information in this case. So, um, the only real person that could give police a true timeline of what happened to Lacey in her final hours was Scott because that's who she was with. Mm-hmm. So um, the day that Scott went missing, excuse me, that Lacey went missing was December 24th, 2002. So she went missing on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So Scott and Lacey's day started at about 7 um, a.m. And Lacey got up. She was pregnant, of course. She gets dressed. She actually makes herself some breakfast. Excuse me. And then Scott gets up within the next hour around 8 to 8.30. Okay. So from about 8.40 to 8.45, and this was confirmed times, um, by the computer. So Lacey actually logged on to her computer, um, that they had in their spare bedroom, spare bedroom. And Scott said while she was on the computer, he was in the shower. Um, and she went online to shop. So, um, one website that the internet search had on there was that she was looking for a red scarf, a red scarf from the gap. And then also she ordered in a sunflower umbrella stand. Allegedly she was like obsessed with sunflowers. Mm-hmm. So it then has her logging off the computer promptly at 8.45, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, interesting enough, a typical analysis of Lacey's kind of history or patterns on computers was never done. So the police posed this as Scott pretended like he was Lacey, like he's setting all of this up so mm-hmm. he can have a timeline and all this other stuff. But allegedly according to people that Lacey knew, this was like Lacey Stilo. Like she liked to shop online. Yeah. She liked the gap. She loved some flowers. This was probably her on the computer. Yeah. But they never thoroughly looked into it. So um for the next hour or so, these this is the timeline from 846 AM to 947 AM. Scott gets dressed and Lacey tells him about her plans for the day. So her plans included she was going to walk their dog, Mackenzie, and um, she was going to go to the store because she needed to make a French toast French toast dish. And so the French toast was for their Christmas brunch. Mm-hmm. So um, it was actually in like the, the missing photos, like when the police came to their house that day when she was pronounced missing, um, the police came in, they took photos and stuff. And in one of the photos, this French toast recipe was actually sitting on the counter as mm-hmm. if she was coming back to prepare herself to cook it whenever mm-hmm. she got back into the house. So um, another interesting fact that I want you to remember in your brain, because it's going to come up in a little bit, is that Scott also told police that Lacey had curled her hair that morning. Okay. So in another one of the pictures, you can see in the evidence photos that um, there's a curling iron and then there's a bench in front of the mirror indicating that she was doing her hair. And so the day before that, her sister had actually taught her like how to properly curl her hair and all that other stuff. So she was practicing her techniques in the mirror that morning. Okay. So um, after that, Scott was on about to be on his way to um, the warehouse where he worked slash stored a lot of his stuff. So he goes outside and he's um, there's like these, big umbrellas that they use probably on their deck when it's really sunny outside, all that stuff. But of course it's December. So he's like, we don't have any use for this. I'm going to go ahead and take it to the warehouse or our storage unit so it can, you know, get put away. So their neighbor by the name of Kristen Dimplewolf actually saw Scott loading the umbrellas into the bay of his truck. And they spoke They actually said, good morning, all that stuff. So she was a witness. She said that she actually spoke to him and she saw him putting the umbrellas on the truck. Mm -hmm. And that was around the nine o'clock hour. Mm Mm-hmm. 
By 9.48 a.m., Scott told authorities that him and Lacey were watching the Today Show first, and then they started watching the Martha Stewart show. I completely forgot Martha Stewart even had a damn show. (laughs) So I'm just like, what? But Scott has a really good memory, and I don't know if he has a good memory because he's a killer or if he has a good memory because he just remembers what was happening. Mm -hmm. So one thing I will say about Scott's stories, even though Scott is a liar, the stories that he told the police were consistent. Mm-hmm. So he tells the police that he was, um, that they were watching the Martha Stewart show in the segment that they, like he, he told the police the specific segment that they were watching. And the se- the segment was about lemon meringue cookies. Mm-hmm. And when the police went back to look at it, shortly enough at 9.48 AM, Martha Stewart on December 24th was making lemon meringue cookies. So that's how we were able to get the 948 timestamp. He told them like, yeah, we watched the segment about lemon meringue cookies. Lacey loved it because she likes to bake. And then I went on about my business. Okay, but let's be realistic. He could have figured that out on TV without Lacey. Lacey could have been dead already. He could have, but I'm like, it's not like it was DVR. This is 2002. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like he went back and was like, let me go see what was on this morning. No, for sure, 100%. But also, when you're thinking, if you wake up in the morning and decide, this is the day I'm going to kill my wife, I'm going to think, I'm going to remember every single thing. Like, Mm -hmm. if I'm waking up and I decide, you know, I I watch CNN every day. If I wake up and I decide, today I'm going to commit a crime and I need to timestamp what the fuck I'm doing, the first thing I'm going to do is see what the fuck was on the news that day. Yeah. That way I could thoroughly talk about it later. But I hear you. I hear you. Lemon meringue cookies. that's fair. So, Scott then said that he left out of the side French door at their house, which kind of like led to where their backyard situation was and went out um, that way. So he said when he left, Lacey was mopping the floor. She was doing her cleanup duties that she said Mm -hmm. she was going to do. And she was getting ready to take Mackenzie, the dog out. Mm -hmm. So um, he made a drive to the warehouse, which was approximately nine minutes away from their house. So he checked his voicemail on his phone at 10.08 a.m. And that was confirmed by cell phone records. Mm -hmm. And so the voicemail that was on his phone was from his boss. And so um, the job that Scott did was he was a fertilizer salesman. Yeah. I didn't even know that there was a need for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought people was just going to Lowe's and Home Depot to pick up a bag and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> why do we need a, a fertilizer salesman? Girl, you think about big plots of land. You know how much land people got in California? The grass is green. That's fair. But wouldn't you just have a landscaper? Yeah, I guess. But I guess the landscape depends on exactly what I guess you're trying to. Yeah, and I guess it depends on what exactly you're trying to fertilize and grow. Like what what condition you want. Okay, that's fair. So um, Scott then parked at his office and he entered in through the pedestrian door. So even though it was a warehouse, the warehouse didn't have a big enough bay for him to back his truck into or anything like that. So he had to kind of park his car outside and then go from there. So that's another very important detail when it comes down to like the nitty gritty of this case, evidence, her body, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at 10, 18 AM, um, which is a guesstimate, by the way, mm-hmm. at 10, 18 a.m., uh, supposedly. Now, I don't know what time it was. It was probably between 10, 30 and 11, 30. But one of their neighbors mm-hmm. said that she actually saw Mackenzie, which is their dog, Scott and Lacey's dog, wandering around the neighborhood yep. with the leash. And so she actually Okay, that's put, another detail. That's another detail I, I, I always remember is picturing that dog walking in the neighborhood. So she put the dog in the backyard, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So she puts the dog back in yeah. the backyard. 
So at 1030, it is, it's seen that Scott is actually uh, on his computer at work answering emails. Mm-hmm. And they know that because the computer was able to corroborate the timestamp. Mm-hmm. So from 1030 to 1056, he's on the computer. He's checking emails. He's sending emails. He emails his boss. He emails some other people, does a whole bunch of stuff. So timestamp, timestamp, um, timestamp, timestamp, time right? It's hella shit that can timestamp him to that damn computer at that time, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mrs. Scott Peterson. So <laughs> he was actually looking up instructions at that time on how to assemble this new woodworking tool that he bought. Mm-hmm. So he logs off the computer at 10.57. So from 10.57 to about 11.15, there's 20 minutes that are like unaccounted for, that they don't know what Scott was doing. But by the time they go to his warehouse the next day, they see that the thing, that the machine is fully assembled. So they're assuming that in that 20 minutes, that's probably when he put that stuff together. Mm-hmm. So um, he's he actually opened up the roll-up door that was at the warehouse and he wanted to unload some tools from his toolbox into the bed of the truck. Mm -hmm. So um, again, it didn't go all the way into the, um, the truck never entered the warehouse. So you can see the entire truck the entire time. That's yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So it kind of deep, like it doesn't matter. Her body was already in there. Exactly. And also that he took her body out of that warehouse into the truck because it's like, he would literally have to be carrying her 150 pound dead weight body in broad daylight outside. Mm-hmm. So um, Scott then, go when he goes to the, when he talks to the police, he tells them that um, he actually cut his knuckle on one of his tools. And so they might find some blood inside of his, like inside of his door and it would be his blood, but he cut himself on a tool. So they actually found his blood inside the car door and on the tool, but it was only like two drops of blood. It wasn't mm-hmm. a significant amount of blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, forensic testing did show that it was, in fact, his blood. So by 11.18, um, Scott is leaving the warehouse and he's driving to the Berkeley Marina. So he said that it took him about an hour and a half or so to get there, which was correct. Google Maps actually said that the marina from his warehouse was an hour and 36 minutes away from each other. Now, I'm like, he couldn't find a water that was closer like an hour and a half, that just seems excessive to me. That's that's also the crazy thing. I'm like, Scott, you didn't have to drive a whole hour and a half just to go on a boat. <laughs> you said you know that's what, what makes him look guilty. That like I don't know. That's just weird to me. But either way, so Scott actually purchased this boat on, I believe, like two weeks before um, Lacey went missing. Mm-hmm. So that's around the time that he purchased the boat. Nobody knew. Nobody in the family knew. That he had purchased the boat, including Lacey's family. Like, Lacey hadn't even said anything about the boat either. And why was it important for him to go to that boat on Christmas Eve? I really can't remember. I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm really asking. I don't think it was was something about the boat, right? He just wanted something active to do. So, allegedly, he was going to go golfing that day, but it was too cold to go golfing. But he ended up going on the boat. But it must have been a good day to do boating. I, and I'm thinking, like, if it's a bad day to go golfing, too cold to go golfing, wouldn't it be too cold to go boating? Because I'm like, the water makes it colder outside. Like, anyway, 
his stepfather also, well, Lacey's stepfather, Mm -hmm. they spoke that morning and he also went out on his boat that morning. Mm -hmm. So it must have just been a good time to be on the water. Yeah. And I guess it could depend on the wind and the temperature. Like standing outside, I guess, opposed to like sailing on a boat could feel different, but. I don't know. I agree with you. It's the same to me. Being outside doing activity. It's cold. It's cold. It's still cold. (laughs) So (sighs) you'll get a kick out of this. Scott purchased a boat launch ticket at 1254 Mm -hmm. when he arrived to the marina. And um, of course, the police have received that because it's time stamped. Mm -hmm. So um, that was his proof that he was I'm surprised he didn't know what time he cut his goddamn hand that morning. He was able to tell motherfuckers (laughs) that. Like, you'll find my blood right here. (laughs) Like, what time, motherfucker? (laughs) At this point, you got everything else. It timestamped him at the marina. So then um, he goes into the boat. He does all that stuff. And he said he traveled probably about two miles. He hung out in this one particular area for a little bit. They had like these specific signages and all this other stuff. And he was able to recall those to the police. And when they investigated it, it was 100% correct. Mm -hmm. So he said that he actually headed back to the marina and wanted to go home because he ended up getting wet and it was cold outside. Mm -hmm. Duh. So um, the fishing pole that Scott purchased on November 20th, excuse me, December 20th, and um, water, a whole bunch of other stuff was still in the boat by the time the police went to the warehouse the next day and researched and looked into it, all that stuff. So when Scott actually arrived back at the marina, he talked to a couple guys about fishing and they had, you know, conversations and stuff like that. And so, excuse me, when the police looked up these witnesses, they were able to also cooperate that Scott was there. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, Another man that passed by Scott's boat while he was out there said him and Scott like had a brief interaction. He was able to look into Scott's boat and there was nothing in Scott's boat. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> not the rolled eyes. Y'all I'm listening. Eyes. I'm waiting till you get to the details of why you think he didn't do it. I'm very intrigued. So, okay. Okay. So, um, It was, it was some drama with his car and backing it up and yeah. getting the boat on there and all this other stuff. And folks also cooperated that he was there during that time as well. So he estimated being at um, the the um, marina for about 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So from the time he bought the ticket to the time that he called Lacey, it was about 78 minutes. So he's about 12 minutes off. Mm-hmm. So at 2.15, he calls Lacey. And um, he leaves her a voicemail. She doesn't answer. And he says this. Hey, beautiful. I just left you a message at home. It's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley. Um, I won't be able to go to Vela Farms and get the basket for Papa, her father. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I was hoping you would get this message and go on out there. I'll see you in a bit, sweetie. Love you. Bye. Mm -hmm. So at 3.25, he's still on his way back home. He pulls over to get gas. Um, Again, of course, they looked up his credit card records. He did go get gas. And he calls Lacey again, but no answer. This time he doesn't leave a voicemail. So by about 4.15, he's actually back at home now. Mm-hmm. And um, He went and dropped the boat off at the warehouse? Yes, excuse me. He mm-hmm. went to the warehouse first at about 4.15. He unhooked the boat. Um, he said he probably didn't spend more than five minutes at the warehouse. And then um, after that, he headed home. Mm-hmm. So... By the time he heads home, it's about 4.25, 4.30 now. And from this point on, he enters through the side gate again, and then he sees um, Mackenzie. Mackenzie yeah. still has on his leash, leash, and he's like, 
Mackenzie, why you got this leash on? Why you outside? He trying to figure out what's going on. So he takes he takes the leash off. They go inside. Um, and so he sees that Lacey's phone is there. Lacey's purse is there. Lacey's car is still in the driveway. So he's thinking Lacey's somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. So um, he actually takes his clothes off. He gets in the shower. And um, he's getting himself pre- prepared to go to his in-law's house. So it was also said that Scott often went home and got straight in the shower because he worked with so many like chemicals and different things mm-hmm. like that. And so he would be dirty um, mm-hmm. by the time he came home. He gets home. He empties the mop bucket also. He sees the mop bucket is still there. He's like, damn, Lacey ain't dumped out this water yet. Like, what's going on? So, um, again, he gets back into the shower. Well, he gets into the shower. He takes a shower. He's looking for her. He washes the clothes, all of that other stuff. So, um, their home had no garage. That's also another thing to remember. So, they only had a driveway. Mm-hmm. They had no garage. So there was nowhere where he can like get undressed quickly before he even stepped into the house. Like he was just stepping into the house because it was outside or inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they had pizza the night before. So he took the pizza out of the refrigerator. He he heated he heated up some pizza and he's like calling for Lacey, looking for Lacey in the house. No answer. So he actually um, calls Lacey's mom and is like, "Hey, is Lacey over there? Where is she? I haven't seen her." And they're like, no, Lacey's not here. Like, you know, so he's thinking maybe Lacey's mom picked her up and she just went to the in-laws early. Because remember, he left a voicemail two hours two hours prior asking mm-hmm. her if she could pick the stuff up. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking maybe she just left, whatever. But I'm like, everybody knows, even in 2002, you're not leaving home without your phone. Mm-hmm. And then a woman, your purse? Yeah. Ain't nobody doing the that. The dog loose. It was just too many loose ends. Yeah. So... At about 5.17 p.m. is when um, her stepfather, Ron, actually called the police and said, hey, my stepdaughter is pregnant. She's missing. You know, has anybody seen her? Is she at a hospital? Whatever. So at that point, at 5.18 p.m., that is when the search for Lacey Peterson began. So over the next hour. Crazy. Yes. Think so about the- Think about the- the short time it took. Okay. And I'm and on, also and like, on Christmas Eve at that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, just it's definitely justice for Lacey, but I can only imagine if this was a woman of color, mm. the lack of care. They would have been like, Oh, she's probably out shopping. It's Christmas Eve. You gotta wait two days. Yeah. You gotta wait the full time. So um Scott began calling hospitals and um of course, her stepfather and the other folks are calling pe- people that are all around. So that was the timeline on December 24th. If we go to the police's timeline, the police the police's timeline in theory is actually um, that Scott smothered Lacey to death on the night of December 23rd. And then he wrapped her body up in a tarp, put it in his truck, and then transport- transported her to the Berkeley Marina 90 miles away and dumped her body overboard on December 24th when he went. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about this is if he did, in fact, wrap her body up in a tarp and she was in the trunk, she did he put her in the trunk that night of the 23rd and she was, it was just a dead body in his truck for the whole night. And then he went in the morning, but then it's kind of like the neighbor passed. She doesn't recall seeing a tarp in his, in his, um, truck the day when she, when he was putting the, um, the umbrellas in there and they said good morning hello all of that stuff like 
If you really realistically, though, nobody seen her alive that morning except him. What baffles me is that That's the dog true. was, well, someone saw her walking the dog, right? Someone says they saw her walking the dog. It was more right? than one people. It was more than one person. They said they saw her walking down, down some street, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that baffles me is I don't, I don't think, I don't think it happened how, how the police said it happened, but I, I think that motherfucker did it. Okay. And I'm like, granted, yes, there's timestamps to everything. I don't know. He a motherfucking magician. So even though the police believe that she went missing on the 23rd, they think they think she was already dead. Yeah. So they, they think, they, they think, they think it was, was a decoy walking that dog. And then they let the dog go. I mean, it sounds silly, but if you, you know what I think of when I think of that scene, I think of goddamn um, Home Alone when that woman is fake walking the baby or she's fake pregnant pushing the stroller. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I always think of that in correlation with this because I'm like, yeah, he could have hired anybody. But at this point in time, this, this much time has gone by and this case has gotten so big, that person would have been found or had to come forward by now, realistically. It was over 15 witnesses it, that said that they saw her. That they saw her walking, but not one of them witnesses can say where she went or what happened. All we know is that that dog ended up back near its house. Mm -hmm. That don't this make sense correct. either. So, um, the, the timeline on the 23rd, according to Scott, is they, um, from 5.45 to about 8.30 p.m., they went to a salon where Lacey's sister worked. Her name is Amy. So they went to Amy's salon. She gave Scott a haircut. And this is where she also taught Amy, excuse me, she also taught Lacey how to curl her hair. So remember the morning of Scott was mm -hmm. saying she was curling her hair in the mirror, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So Amy confirmed um, the haircut to be true in her sworn testimony. She said she taught... Um, Lacey had to curl her hair that night and all this other stuff. She also said that Scott invited her over for pizza, but she declined because she ended up getting like a last minute date invite. So she didn't go over for the pizza. Mm -hmm. So also I'm like, who consciously is about to invite somebody over your house for pizza? And you know, you finna kill your wife tonight. You know, you're going to kill your wife after you invite somebody over for pizza. And again, timestamp, timestamp, timestamp. Because right now, since that woman didn't come over for pizza, all they have for proof of pizza is that the box was there. Had that woman yeah. had come over for pizza, she would have been able to say, yeah, I went over for pizza around so-and-so time. Because mm -hmm. he probably thought of, okay, they're probably going to think I killed her the night before. Yep. So they left the salon. They went to go get pizza. And then he said mm -hmm. that they just watched football for the rest of the night. They were chilling. So at 830, mm -hmm. Lacey actually spoke to her mother on the phone to confirm their um, Christmas Eve dinner plans. And then, you know, they were like, I'll see you tomorrow. And this was the last time that Sharon, Lacey's mother, actually spoke to Lacey. So um, Scott said, you know, they started winding down and they went to bed at about 1030 p.m. Mm -hmm. So. Some Lacey sightings since, you know, people have said they, they seen Lacey. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it was reported that until basically the month of January, so for a whole month or so, that people had seen Lacey that morning walking the dog McKenzie. Mm -hmm. um, and so here was some information. One um, woman from a hospital said that she actually, she works at a hospital. She said she saw two men yelling at a pregnant woman who was walking a dog. Mm -hmm. she also said um that it looked like she was getting shoved into a car another tip said 
and this was from a retired reserve officer. It described a pregnant woman being shoved into the back of a van. So now this is two people seeing her in the back of the van about a half mile away from Scott and Lacey's house. And um, this retired officer multiple, multiple times tried to contact Modesto police and they never called him back. So another concerning tip was from a lieutenant that worked inside of a jail. Mm -hmm. And this lieutenant said that he called the Modesto police to report a monitor phone conversation that one of their inmates had with his brother on the phone. The brother lived in Modesto. The brother told the inmate that Lacey had um, been had confronted two burglars who were robbing the house directly across the street from where she lived. This house, in fact, was robbed the day that Lacey went missing. Mm-hmm. So this conversation was actually recorded by the prison. But the Modesto Police Department nev- never handed it over And then allegedly somehow the recording was lost. Yeah, I heard this too. Mm -hmm. So in a one mile radius of where Lacey and Scott's home was, there were recorded 24 sightings um, within that day. Then in a three mile radius, there was a recorded seven additional sightings, which takes that to a total of 31 sightings of Lacey Peterson the day she went missing. Now, of course, some of this is bullshit. We already know that because mm-hmm. by this time they probably put out, hey, there's um, a reward, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people start calling bullshit tips. So, so when the people these- said they saw her, but didn't, didn't it not match up that the people who said they saw her get pulled into the car, she was mm-hmm. arguing with two men pulled into the car. That would have to be in her neighborhood, right? So this would have to be neighbors around that area, right? Yeah, but it might not be neighbors like from her street that know her necessarily. Maybe not, but I'm, I mean, they had to be in the vicinity of that neighborhood at that time, right? So you would think yeah, that they, they were familiar with they were familiar with the people in mm-hmm. that area. Why weren't the police called automatically? Why weren't there police on that street? Why wasn't no one in that neighborhood getting interviewed? To be honest, and, re- and realistically, Scott should have been pulling up to, to the ops already at his house. Mm-hmm. If that theory is true, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, well, and granted, like, maybe they didn't piece together that, oh, they, those two men were part of a robbery at that time. But also thinking about if Lacey was outside walking the dog, why didn't she take her phone with her still? Why didn't she take anything mm-hmm. with her still? Like, you're telling me she didn't have her phone? She didn't have her I wallet? Guess. She maybe didn't have she some type of fanny was, pack? Yeah, it was her neighborhood. So she was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go outside and walk my dog, you know? But also the know. way she set up the walk, like, it was a task that she did every day, meaning that and if people saw her within a three mile radius, like she probably was known to walk a couple miles. Like that's probably how mm-hmm. she got her exercise. Like that's what I took from it. It wasn't just a, oh, you know me, I'll be walking a block. Me and Tiger, one block. Like it seemed like it was like, yeah, okay, people see her around at least the extended area for some time. Um, and, I mean, that could be that could be me assuming, but it's also still giving like you left your house, like. You left your house. You didn't take your phone with you. You're eight months pregnant. Amanda, you think about it. Like, yeah. But I'm also thinking about the time too. I'm like, it's 2002. Like people was on their phones, but people wasn't like, people weren't as fixated on their cell phones then as they are now. Like not texting, not texting, but phone calls. I'm going to just go out. Not texting, but phone calls 100%. I would think that she would at least want her phone with her to be on the phone, answer the phone. Not, not texting. I agree with that, but. To be able to communicate, it's Christmas Eve. Like, and she was just in the midst of prepping stuff. Like, I just still feel like, did she have keys on her? Like, you tell me she she walked out with no keys, no purse, no phone, like, no fanny pack, no little water bottle. Like, just her and the dog, just vibing. Okay, so here's some specific witness statements. So, Homer Maldonado, who did not know Lacey Peterson, said, 
He was getting gas when he saw a pregnant woman walking a dog. He remembered noticing that she was that she was not wearing a sweater or a jacket despite it being 40 degrees outside. Okay? Mm-hmm. So then Martha Aguilar, who knew Lacey, says she saw Lacey walk by um, the same street where another witness by the name of Jean Pedrioli actually saw Lacey. So Jean, who didn't know Lacey, said that he saw Lacey in, on the same street as um, Martha said that she saw Lacey and recalled noticing Mackenzie because they had the same kind of dog. Mm-hmm. So finally... Tom and Elizabeth Harshman reported they were driving between 2 and 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve when they saw a white van with a stripe. And then they spotted a heavily pregnant woman with short, dark brown hair squatting and urinating outside of a van while a scruffy looking guy stood over her. They said they saw an arm reach out of the van and pull the woman into the van. And basically, she looked startled. Now. Here's so my question about do that. Do they remember they remember her squatting and peeing? Like they remember her having like her pants down? Or do they remember her like squatting and seeing the liquid come out? Like, could that potentially her water be be, be breaking and then someone grabbed her then? Like I th- this sounds a, this sounds that's unhinged. A cool theory. But also it's just like you saw that, like that that's very suspicious to me. And very specific. And you saw mm. that and you didn't report anything? You waited until somebody's like, oh, yeah, this lady's missing. And now you're like, oh, yeah, well, we did see that lady with a bob. Let me go. That, that got yanked up into a van. But also, like, by the what? way, she was squatting, taking a piss yeah, while holding like, her dog. And then she got get... snatched. And if y'all saw all of that, if y'all saw her peeing and then you seen her get snatched, you had enough time to take down that license plate. I don't believe that theory. I don't believe that one. So that's what they said. i'm I'm just telling you what the people said so i wanted to touch a little bit on the burglary across the street because i think a lot of times that's what people haven't heard of or don't really know much about dismissed often yes yes it gets really swept under the rug and this was my first time ever hearing about the burglary i didn't even know there was a burglary across Mm -hmm. a burglary across the street so there's a burglary across the street that occurs on christmas eve so this house is owned by a couple named rudy and susan medina Mm-hmm. So the Medinas lived across the street from Scott and Lacey Peterson, and they left their home on December 24th at 10.30 a.m. for a short holiday trip to L.A. Mm-hmm. So they were leaving for the holidays. They go to L.A. They returned on the 26th at 4.30 p.m. to learn that their house had been burglarized. And they didn't and know then, this, this burglary wasn't reported before then, correct? Correct. So they didn't know that their house was bur- burglarized. They didn't know Lacey was, was gone, like... They just came back to to the neighborhood up 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 in an uproar. It was in shambles. So by January second, two thousand three, which is only you know about a week or so later, mm-hmm. two people by the names of Stephen Todd and Donald Pierce were arrested at fourteen oh six, Tanaya Drive in Modesto, California. Okay, mm-hmm. so. When the police arrested them at the address they were at, they recovered jewelry, a large safe, um, and other things that had been taken from the Medina property. So Stephen Todd, who was one of the suspects, he also um, was interviewed by the police on January 2nd. He told them that he burglarized the home on December 27th, which we know is a bold-faced lie because they came back on the 26th. Yeah. So then he said, okay, okay, actually, we did it on the 20th. <laughs> We actually did it Not on the, the 26th. okay, okay. Gotcha. Actually, yeah, sorry. We actually did it on the 26th between 3 and 7 a.m. On the 24th. 
You said on the 26th. You said now they're saying they did it on the 26th? Now they're saying they did it on the 26th between 3 So they're not trying to be attached to the 24th at all, which pushes you to believe that they're the murderers, right? Yes, they're not. They're not trying to. They're yes, not trying to literally, he told the police one of his words was, yeah, basically we burglarized that place, but we don't have nothing to do with that pregnant lady. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's like, um, we burglarized it on the 26th, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the attorneys in this case, theorists, a lot of people believe that to also be a lie because by the 26th, there were news um, and police all oh, up and down street. the street. Mm-hmm. So how did y'all bur- burglarize this house? How did y'all get past the news trucks and the police who was heavily surveilled this this area? Mm-hmm. And then y'all robbed the place for four hours? Nah, y'all had been robbed that place. Because mm-hmm. the police and all that stuff had been out there since Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So one of the sergeants put out word um, that anybody who had remaining possessions from the Medina burglary could return them to the MPD and no questions would be asked. Mm-hmm. Why y'all not asking questions? Mm-hmm. So on one occasion, a woman actually ran into the police headquarters, threw jewelry on the counter, and then ran out. They never really looked into the incident. They never ran back the cameras to try and figure out who the lady was. No, nothing. They didn't ask any questions. So Stephen Ty actually pled guilty um, to this crime. And this was in February of 2003 when he pled guilty. So he was given a sentence of eight years and eight months. But he was also a street, a three-strike offender. So I'm like, he should have been in there for a lifer, right? Right. Right. So Donald Glenn, his accomplice. I think it's, Donald, um, I think it's it depends on what type of. The crime like, is. If it's, a, if it's a felon or for misdemeanor, I think that plays into what the three strikes mean. I ain't got no strikes though, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's, let's keep it that way. Strikeless. <laughs> yeah. So, um. They recovered the safe, and then somehow, in evidence, the safe was destroyed. Like, I don't know. The police just did a real bang-up job with this one, I must say. Yeah, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I Yeah. <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, if we're going to look into stuff, look into everything. Like, I get it. Scott is doing weird <laughs> shit. He's acting weird, and he looks crazy, but... You can't you can't ignore the fact that this this robbery happened across the street from, from these people at the same time at the same time the that same day and then this lady ends up missing. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, yes, a lot of people believe that that this burglary is directly connected to Lacey's um, disappearance. So, um, like I said, the the media coverage had been popping over there so like them burglarizing that house on the morning of the 26th is just basically like impractical like it didn't happen oh so another thing that was crazy about this case is like they started offering rewards and stuff really really like upfront, like really soon mm-hmm. but the police were also giving like too much information like they were like oh her husband was at the at the marina he did this he did that like they were telling scott's every last move so even if scott was not the killer they made it very easy for the killer to set scott up for sure so how do you feel about i don't know if you're going to get to this but um Mm -hmm. but how do you feel about the affair you know when it comes to the scorn lover um Mm -hmm. theory like putting the affair in play that he was having an affair of course like Mm -hmm. the 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 motive becoming right after that oh he has he's having an affair he wanted to start a new life so he killed his pregnant wife one thing that i've always thought was interesting that um 
I feel like Scott was so good at because I do believe he did it. But also what makes me second guess myself is the fact that he's so smart and he remembered so much about the day. And there are so many timestamps about where he was at. Um, and for it to be 2002 when technology wasn't really in that that far into play as, as, mm-hmm. as it comes to like tracking as far as cameras and things like it just always baffled me that there are so many timestamps about where that man was that day. But also, also baffles me that if there were so many timestamps and he and he could track himself that well, he could have did that on any day on fucking Christmas Eve where they had somewhere to be that evening mm-hmm. and then into the holiday season. It just seems so unhinged Bizarre. to me. It just seems so unhinged. It was like, nigga, you could have did that on the 23rd. Like, yep. or, or you could have did it after the new year, like started. Yep. Like, but also that brings me back to Lacey had to be dead before she had that baby. That's what I got mm-hmm. from this whole situation. Like she had to be dead before she had that baby. Yep. Like, and you know what? This is a great segue because my next part is actually about Scott Peterson's relationship with Amber Fry. <laughs> so, okay. I, and this this is going to put a lot of things into perspective as well because uh, before re researching this case and like learning more about it, I was also with the scorn lover theory and. You know, that that's 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 my thing through and through. But the way like this is literally a prime example of trial by media. The way that the media and Nancy Grace in particular, yeah, with her yeah. nasty ass, really <laughs> blew this whole thing up with Amber Fry is disgusting. Mm-hmm. So Scott actually met Amber Fry on November 20th, 2002. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was a long going affair. He no. only knew this lady for about a like month, month before one month, one month before Lacey went missing. Like this wasn't a long-term girlfriend. This wasn't a long-term mistress. He met her one time. But what I will say is Scott ain't shit. Mm-hmm. I do think that he's guilty of being a, a, a terrible husband, a trifling ass man, but I don't know if he's guilty of murdering her. However, he was a slime ball. There's pictures of them cuddled up. Have you ever seen the pictures of them together? Mm-mm. Girl, uh-uh. I'm looking up girly now, though. Look up Scott Peterson and Amber Fry Christmas party. Girl, they was taking prom posing pictures. Like, he was out in public with this lady. Like, he wasn't married. <laughs> it does look like a prom photo. You're talking about when she was in the in the red dress? In red dress? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Scott. Scotty. What the fuck? No. And not they in the car. Girl. I'm just so baffled at how the whites track their life back in the day. Like, girl, I'm thinking about my baby photos. I'm like, I'm going to just have to be a good storyteller to my kids because I do not have as many photos. Like, look at me from the Christmas party in 1998. No. Like, Scott, it's mm. pictures of you and your mistress on the internet. That's wild. The mistress that you only knew for a month. So, um, yes, Scott met Amber Fry on November 20th, 2002, through a mutual friend that he had just met at a work conference. So the friend set them up on a blind date. So obviously he told the friend that he was single as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Amber was actually um, a resident of Fresno and, excuse me, she was a Fresno massage therapist and also a single mother. So um, upon meeting Amber, Scott actually told her that he was single. Mm-hmm. So weeks later, around December 14th, they were photographed together in that photograph that you saw her with the red dress on at a Christmas party. And as you saw, Mish, they was booed up real bad. Yeah. So um, I literally wrote in my script, 
the pics are giving prom. Um, mm-hmm. Like you would have thought that they knew each other for more than three weeks at that point. So at the party, interestingly enough, Scott tells Amber that his wife passed away and that it would be his first Christmas without her. And that is what she testified in court. That's what she said. So police would later think, um, you know, is this him alluding to the fact that he's going to kill Lacey or was he just lying so he could get in this lady's drawers? Like, what's the tea? Nothing about that was weird to you. And then his wife was dead. No, it was it was very weird. Okay, it was very weird. Um, so the detective actually, um, Detective Al, the one we talked about earlier, um, actually met up with Amber Fry around December thirtieth, and they formed a bond that really tried to help get Scott caught up for Lacey's murder. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, Amber actually told um cnn she said as soon as we um we got it hooked up meaning her and the detectives we discussed how it will all work and i was shaking i was sweating but um i had to catch my breath because i was just believing i couldn't believe that this guy was still trying to call me so take a break there on december 30th is when she finally realized that scott was actually married and that he was married to lacey peterson Mm-hmm. And the reason she realized it is because her friend was telling her about this local woman who went missing. And by mm-hmm. this time they had Scott's picture out there. They had his information and she was like, Oh wow, that's my boyfriend. And also what baffles me about this is it was like, okay, maybe it's just me and like my honest conscience. But if I get into, uh-uh, there you go. If I get into a situation and I'm like, all right, I know I lied and I was dating this woman, like, this would be the perfect time to tell her, like, yo, like, Mm -hmm. something very big is going down. Like, I really do like you, but I'm actually not on the market. My wife is missing. She's eight months pregnant. And it's, it's probably, it's, it's, it's about to hit the fan. Like, she's Mm -hmm. not home. Like, it's Christmas Eve. Like, the fact that he had none of these conversations with this woman, but was literally alluding to her, like... He wanted to be with her and just wanted to kick it. And like, it was just weird to me. Like, it was very bizarre. It was very like, it was like he was detached from what was going on with Lacey when he was talking to this woman. Yeah. And it's like, granted, he was leading like a separate life for her. Yeah, because he was married. It also was like, Scott, did you not? I just think that for the man who who timestamped himself that whole day, you didn't think that Shorty would see this on the news sooner or later? Like... Lacey yeah, was reported missing by yes I'm like Lacey was reported missing literally hours after she actually could have mm-hmm. potentially went missing like less than four to five hours after she actually went missing and you didn't think that this woman would see that so on December 30th is when she figured it out and she went to the police that day and so by the 31st he called her and he was actually at a vigil for Lacey at the time and he was at a crowded area And he calls Amber on the phone for him to lie and say that he could barely hear her. He was in Paris for New Year's Eve. Oh, trust me. I remember. Like, this motherfucker is crazy. And yes, it does make you wonder, like, was he lying? Because, like, he's still playing the, this is my, but at this point, Lacey's gone. Mm -hmm. 
at this point, Lacey's gone, which also makes me think, okay, this could, this is a, it's, it's, it's a catch-22 because he could be playing this role because he really believes that Lacey's not dead because he had nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. and he thinks that she'll return. So he's playing this role with his mistress. But also he could be playing this role because he wants to be – he wants this to be separated from his marriage, which there's just no – there's just no – There's no separation at this point, though. There's no I'm separation, like- which is – I think it's dumb on his behalf in general because she's ultimately the reason why he gets caught up. Like, yep. if your wife is missing, why are you still playing this role with this woman? Why are you still calling her? So by January 6th, <laughs> why it was still pretty calling much, her? <laughs> girl, he was calling her until the end of February. Yeah. So by January 26th, it was pretty much undeniable. His face is everywhere. So he calls her. He tells her on the phone that he lied about the trips and all of this stuff and that Lacey's gone. So Amber asks, you know, like, why would you say that you lost your wife? So I'm going to give you a snippet of the transcript of their conversation. Mm -hmm. So Scott says, the girl I'm married to, her name is Lacey. And Amber says, "Mm mm-hmm. So he says, for the past two weeks, I've been in Modesto with her family and mine searching for her. Motherfucker, you live in Modesto with your wife. What are you talking about? You've been in Modesto with her family. That's where you live, sir. (laughs) Are you mad? That's where you live, you scumbag. So, so where says, was he trying to say he lived? I don't know. I never got that, but clearly not Modesto. So he says, um, she says, okay, Peterson. Um, she just disappeared and no one knows. So she was like, okay. Then he says, um, I don't well, I don't know where she's been. So she says, Scott, like basically, like, Scott, come on. So he says, and I can't tell you more. Because I, I need to be protected from the media. I need you to be protected from the media is what he told mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So she says, okay. And then he says, okay, um, you're amazing. So then she says, Scott, are you listening? <laughs> he says, I am. And then she said, you came to me earlier in December and you told me that you lost your wife. What was that about? He said, she's alive. <laughs> I don't know what this man is talking about. He sounds crazy. So then he says, I did. I didn't know what to say to you. Um, And then she says, you have an explanation for everything, but start with this explanation. That would be a start. And then he says, I know you deserve an explanation. She -hmm. says, yes, I do. I do. He says, and I want to give you one. So she says, okay, I'm listening. He said, I can't right now. I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't understand. So yeah, he's, he's lost it so yep there's more so on december 24th 2003 Mm -hmm. is when i guess she had had enough Mm -hmm. amber fry is now on the police i mean excuse me on the news Mm -hmm. and she's telling the news exactly what (laughs) happened she doesn't (laughs) he's crazy he knew that woman for a month though like and did they even have any sexual relations like you know she was well she was calling him her boyfriend so i assume like they were so i watched like a few parts of this a and e special about lacey peterson and i'm a thousand percent sure they smashed on the first their first night because for some reason they made up at like a hotel well not for some reason because he's married they made up they met up at like a hotel lobby and he was like oh well you know i'm staying here i'm gonna go upstairs and change and like you know just come with me for a second they go upstairs there's rose petals everywhere there's roses flowers whatever and I'm like, come on, it was grown, grown. She definitely gave it up that night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and she she admitted she that that they were romantic. Like that's what she that's what she calls it, romantic. So I'm sure they smashed. Um, 
So in front of television cameras on January 24th, those are her words. She says, we did have a romantic relationship. I'm very sorry for Lacey's family and the pain this has caused them. So Michelle, she tells on this man on national television. Mm-hmm. The next day, his ass calls her. Yeah, I will never. Yeah. <laughs> what? And he tells her that she was brave and what a great job she did. They continue to talk until February 19th. So a lot of their conversation, she was like, did you ever love Lacey? But the thing is, Scott never wavered. Like, he was like, yeah, I love Lacey. Like, he never used her life in past tense. Like, he never said, like, I loved her or she was such a great wife. Like, she is. Like, he was speaking in the present tense as if she was still here. He never said he killed her. He never was like anything like that. So a lot of this wiretapping that they did outside of them seeing that Scott was thirsty, it, it really yielded to nothing. This is true. So the I also s- think he knew that he couldn't trust her, especially after she went on on national television. I just think he was really he was a really interesting like communicator, like because to call her after and be like you were brave, but for her to also continue talking to him, clearly he had a good enough mouthpiece for that. Like granted, like she wasn't messing with him after that, but it was still like yeah. why are you communicating with this man if you think that mm-hmm. you if you believe that he murdered his his pregnant wife. wife. Yeah. Also, her te- her coming forward is ultimately what put. Scott in jail. I 100% believe he would have been able to fight this 100% had that woman not did this. Mm-hmm. And that, so the the evidence and stuff during the court case wasn't looking so hot. And as soon as they put Amber Fry on the stand and they played these recordings, they said the jury was tainted forever. Also, after don't that, forget, the jury was like, you know. Yeah, it's a wrap. Also, don't forget, Scott sold Lacey's car. When he was arrested, he was arrested with cash, yeah. his brother's passport. We get in there. Oh. We get in there. Okay. Okay. You, you're moving too fast. We get in there. Well, honey, we an hour in. <laughs> I'm ready to get to the nitty gritty. I told you this was a long story. Okay. And just because you know it, Miss California, a lot of people don't know this story like this. Okay. Because okay. I was one of them. I didn't know all these details. I so, wish you didn't um, that damn card. That, that bothers me too. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, um... One thing that was kind of left out of a big part of the um, the court case was one of the defense attorneys, of course, they went they went to um, they waited until a day that it was around like the same type of weather that Scott would have had the day that Lacey was allegedly thrown overboard. And they took a hundred pound weight on that same 14 foot boat and they tried to throw it over water without it capsizing. And they tried it literally five to six times. And they almost drowned. Like, so they were basically trying to prove the theory that it was no way that he could have like threw her body overboard without the boat basically like flipping over or him drowning. Mm -hmm. Also, another interesting detail is one thing I will say, I don't think if if he did kill Lacey, I don't think it was for Amber Fry. I don't Um, think it was for Amber Fry either. Also don't think it, I don't think it, that's why I said, I don't believe it went down the way it went down. I don't think he put that girl in his car. I think it has something to do with the other car, which is why he sold that car. And I don't think he threw her in the marina that day in broad daylight. No, mm-hmm. but I think he knew that that would be the day that it would be, that it would be obvious that she was missing because they had somewhere to be that night and she would not be there. So I do believe he timestamped himself, went out and did all of those things and knew that they would lead to dead ends mm-hmm. because he really didn't have her body on that boat. He really didn't, he really didn't have her body, her dead body in that car. And he really did go do all those activities that would take him away from the house or away from her. But where was her body? I don't know. And when did he kill her? 
I really don't know. Because I'm like, people saw her as, I don't know. And that's why I'm just like, it, it's all over the place for me. So um, now we're going to we're gonna fast forward. I mean, oh, another interesting thing too. I mean, let's, can we talk about the theory of if it was the burglars? Like, when would they have gone and dropped her body off? Anytime. Because, well, oh shit. Well, it would have to have been before December 4th. I mean, January 4th. Yeah. And they were and that. they were arrested when? January 4th. Yeah, they were arrested January 4th. Yeah, so. So it had to have been some sometime in that 10-day window. And they never um, found that car, right? They never found that truck? I didn't look into the truck. Um, so I'm unsure. And in any and in in any of the reports I read, I didn't see anything didn't about see the anything truck about either. That, or, the van, or the van, excuse me, not the truck. Um, I didn't see anything about the van either because a, a perfect way his his perfect his perfect um not even alibi but his perfect his defense should have been focused on that goddamn burglary across the street mm-hmm. and that van and locating that van. Yep. Because um, if they were able to locate that van and it had any ounce of Lacey's DNA, DNA. on it, Scott would have been free. Yep, it would have been a wrap. So on April 13th, 2003, Connor Peterson's body was washed up in the San Francisco Bay. So guys, Connor is um, their unborn son. That was his name. Um, And so a passerby who was walking around actually saw, you know, a fetus's body wash up on the shore and um, the police were called. So there was a tape, a piece of tape that was actually around Connor's neck. Um, and a lot of people think that like, oh, you know, Connor must have been born and then the killer did something to tape his little body up and stuff like that. But after the medical examiner um, removed the tape and looked at his body, it was actually, it seemed like it was coincidental. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was just tape down there it and was, the tape ended was, up on his body. Yeah. So, um, they could also tell that, you know, um, baby Connor was not born alive before Lacey was killed or right afterwards. So that baby died not only inside of Lacey Peterson's body in the womb, but he didn't come out for a long time after that. Mm-hmm. So um, again, Connor she was died dead in the before womb. he came out, right? Correct. Like Connor she was, died. she she was already dead and thrown into the water before Connor was born. Yeah, before he was birthed, but he before was he was too. birthed, yes, yeah. but he was dead too, yes, yes. So, um, he died in the womb and then eventually with the water and just her body decomposing, his body actually floated free from her body. So, um, their decomposition looked completely different. So it looked like Connor had been in the water, maybe a week or less versus Lacey. Um, it looked like her body had been there a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, Lacey's body was actually found the next day, about a mile away from where Connor's body was found. Both of these locations were about two to three miles away from where Scott was boating and fishing and doing all that stuff three months prior to this when, you know, he was Mm -hmm. um, out there on Christmas Eve. So according to the autopsy report that was done by Brian Peterson, um, which is a pathologist, Lacey's body consisted of mostly just her torso. So her head was missing. Both of her arms were missing. Her left leg from the knee down was missing. Her right foot and all of her internal organs in her torso were gone. The only thing that they could really find was her cervix 
um, the entrance to the birth canal was intact and it was closed, but there was an opening in the abdominal area, which means that when Connor came out, he probably came through her abdominal area. Like he didn't pass through, you know, vaginally or anything like that. So they said Lacey was wearing remnants of light colored maternity pants in that it had duct tape in the crotch area. Um, she was also missing all of her upper upper internal organs as well. So, so do you think the fish in the marina mm-hmm. ate her? Or do you think she was cut up? I'm thinking that the fish, while she was down there, the fish had to have eaten her. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, who cut her up and took all of her organs? But also they didn't have any, there were no ligature marks on her. So I don't think that anybody cut her. They just ate very specific body parts to me. Body parts to me that could have been cut off and thrown in there over time. This is true. And I mean, there's no way of really telling if her head got cut off because she didn't have one. No. Where's her head? Oh, my God. So, um, according to the autopsy, her body had probably been, had probably been decomposing for months. Mm-hmm. And, um, again... Connor's body was basically perfect. He still had all his hands, his feet, and all his genitals. So, yeah, that that part really really baffles me. And another thing is like that I started to look up was just like babies' bodies when they're um, inside their mothers and their mothers die. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was like a lot of times they said that when babies die inside of a mother's womb and like the mom is dead also and they don't find them for a long time. The baby essentially like mummifies in the womb in the like with the placenta and all this other stuff that didn't happen to Connor, Mm -hmm. but we know that he had to have been released out of Lacey's body within the last like probably week or so that before they got discovered. So I don't know. I'm like, did somebody preserve his body and then they just dumped them? Like, was she a sacrifice? Like what's going on? It's, It's some really weird stuff going on here. I guess I never thought about that. I just always assumed. I guess I never looked too much into if Connor's body was preserved or not. But that's a good point. Like, he fresh meat. Something on him should have been. He was completely intact, basically, right? They said basically, like, one side of his face was a little mutilated, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, they said he looked like a full, like, he was a full-term baby. That's how they described him, a full-term baby. So that's my other thing. When Lacey was she was technically seven and a half months pregnant when she was kidnapped so did she die immediately because i'm like how was connor full term Mm -hmm. when he was birthed like he would still have to be growing inside of her body Mm -hmm. in order for him to be full term which is nine months so i'm like was she still alive until that nine month mark and then they dumped her in the marina This could be a reason why a lot of evidence in her body, I mean, a lot of evidence up until, I mean, she would have had to been, right? If you think about it, like, there's no way that her body was thrown into the water, um, which which is goes, goes back to my theory that he didn't do that shit that day when they said he was out at the marina. There's mm-hmm. no way her body was thrown into the water that day and Connor's body being attacked almost four months later. That yeah, that's mind blowing to me. I'm like, and like you said, he has a little body. That body should got ate up. If like they should have been able to theory, find anything. All of her body got ate up, which I. But it's weird again, because this is why I think they she can't figure out her cause of death because it was barely any body there. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, 
I don't know the San Francisco Bay, but I'm like, they got sharks and shit in there? No, ain't no sharks in there. Exactly. So I'm like, who, what, you know, like what's, what, what fish is eating up a head and some arms like that? A head completely, like the whole head was missing, right? Like not, and this is, this goes back to like, if her head was eaten off by the fish, where, 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 where the skeleton at? Yeah. Where are all the bones? Where are all the bones? Like, like you, they I'm have... thinking of what type of, what type of predators could be down there to eat her up like that. And it's just mm-hmm. not coming to me, which goes back to like, was she kept somewhere? Was she tore? I always assumed she was tortured, which is torture, which even goes back to why would you do that? Like what, what about, what, uh, what about her would have made somebody want to do that to her? Mm-hmm. And so that's what also conflicts me about Scott, right? Cause I'm like, I, I really don't, I, I really still think that Lacey was alive for a little bit um, after she went missing. But the thing is, if Scott is the person that did this, where did he keep her body in for all of this time before he dumped it again? Where did that And I'm like, go? the police put a tracker on his car. Like they were on him like white on rice. Also, where did he, where did her car go? I feel like it was something in that car. Also, he was confident that she wasn't dead. You have to realize how comfortable he was talking to talking to the um mm-hmm. to his side piece. He was confident that she wasn't dead. Yeah. Like, cause remember when he when he told her, like, you know, she's not dead or whatever that day after or whatever they were mm-hmm. talking, like he was confident she wasn't dead, which make me all which made me always believe that he knew she wasn't dead right after she went missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was in financial trouble or if this was money motivated. If there was going to, you know, there was never any ransom letters in play. Like, it really was mm-hmm. just. They were in a little debt, though. They were in debt for sure. But if I'm the burglars, before I got caught, I'm thinking either, if I'm if I'm not going to kill this bitch, what can I get for her? And mm-hmm. nothing came out. But he, again, with him as well, like, nothing came out. But I think with Scott, it would, he wouldn't have tried to go the ransom route. He would have went the boo-hoo, my wife's missing, mm-hmm. help us find her, give me money, support us route. That's what I think. Okay, so we're almost done. I'm going to get to his conviction and the appeals and all that stuff. Okay. So um, the discovery of both Connor and Lacey's body just really created a sense of urgency with um, the Modesto Police Department. So at the time, they actually put a tracker on Scott's car. So they knew exactly where he was. He was in San Diego at the time, which is where his family lived. So their fear was that he was familiar with the area and that he was going to escape to Tijuana. So they literally were like, we have to find Scott right now. So um, they go down there and they actually arrest Scott and um, the FBI and the Modesto Police Department work together in order to search Scott's home and all of that other kind of stuff. So the one thing, they only needed one little piece of evidence that wasn't circumstantial. And the piece of evidence that they found was the FBI conducted a mitochondrial DNA testing on a piece of hair that was found in Lacey's hairbrush and they linked it to a single piece of hair that was found in Scott's boat, which is the loosest shit I've ever heard. Cause I'm like that, that piece of hair could have been on his coat and it fell off in the boat. Like also would she have never been in the boat? I mean, that was her husband. They never went out to the boat. Well, he had recently bought the boat. I remember. So she probably wouldn't have gone on it in her, but I'm like her hair being there. That's, People random here be on me all the time. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like that. But anyway, that's what they needed to arrest him. And that's what they got. Yeah. So he was arrested on April 18, 2003. 
near a golf course. So he told police that he was actually meeting up with his father, his brother, so they could play a game of golf. So at the time, his hair used to be dark brown. It had then been dyed blonde and he had a mustache and a goatee, which was something that was kind of out of his ordinary. Also, um, he was driving a Benz. The Benz that he had, they described it as overstuffed with miscellaneous items. So this included $15,000 in cash, Mm -hmm. 12 Viagra tablets, survival gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, and his brother's driver's license in addition to his own driver's license. So this part was a little weird. Excuse me. They also said that Scott, two days after Lacey went missing, that Scott um, got two pornography subscriptions on his computer. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, that indicates that she was dead because he knew he wasn't going to have sex with her anytime soon. I'm like, or because the bitch was missing. Right. And also he had a mistress. He he could fuck if he want to. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I think he was just, he was just a little freaky deaky. So... Scott's father said that he used his brother's license the day before to get a discount at the local golf course. And that's why he had it. I still don't know why he had all them Viagra's and why he had $15,000 in cash, but <laughs> I still don't know why, why you said, <laughs> <laughs> cause I'm like, Scott, you 30. I know that thing's still getting up. So mm-hmm. what you doing with Viagra? Like, yeah, I don't know. He was freaked out. Um, so of course, like you said, um, the car caused a lot of attention, but it was also said that Scott may have been living out of his car at this point. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a mess. But I know you were saying something about that earlier. What what, what are you feeling about the car? He and sold all of the, the stuff car. that was in it. He, he sold the, the, I mean, the, um, are you talking about the one he was in or her car? I read something that he sold her car after she He did. In. He traded in her Land Rover and he got himself a Dodge and pickup truck. If you really think about it, that's they never even thought to check her car. Like, granted, like, yes, her evidence would have been all mm-hmm. over it. But if I was him, I would have also transported her in her own car. Honestly, he could have arguably transported them, transported her in either car because that's his wife. Like, her DNA is going to be found on both. But if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, what car he uses the most versus what car she uses the most, I would have used her car as well. But also, there's no trace. It just is very interesting to me that everybody can track what Lacey was doing in that moment, but can't remember shit else about girl any other day or any of the cars or mm-hmm. what other movements. It's like, how do y'all know all the details down to this? But can y'all tell me where, if that car moved on the 23rd, can y'all tell me if it moved on the 24th? Like, yeah. where was that car? Was that car in the front, in the front yard the entire time? Like... That car was never searched. We don't know if he drove. For all we know, he that could have been the car he drove the night of the 23rd and something really happened to her then, even though everybody recorded that they saw her. To me, mm. honestly, I got to take all of them motherfucking sightings of her at face value because all of y'all are telling me at least five, four to five people saw her get mm-hmm. kidnapped. <laughs> Nobody reported anything. I don't believe that. Yeah. I really don't believe that. I believe and- that y'all probably saw some people finagling near a white van on that street and there was a burglary that really happened and y'all wanted to believe that she was involved in that but y'all could tell me that y'all saw her walking but nobody could tell me did y'all see her leave her house did y'all see her with the leash in her hand did y'all see like around what time that leash was let go it's just so bizarre to me that so many people can place her on that street that day and not tell us anything yeah. else other than and the so- fact that they saw her was she joyous? Was she talking? She didn't have no, have no music. She had no phone. She was just yeah, walking. Did anybody, did anybody say hi to her? Was she in good spirits? Like, y'all could tell me she wasn't wearing a jacket and you thought that was weird. What else, motherfucker? Mm-hmm. So, 
um, he was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. The mm-hmm. circles, the special circumstances was the first degree murder of Lacey and the second degree murder of Con- Connor because, of course, she was pregnant. So he pleaded not guilty um, and he was held held without bail. So the only forensic evidence, again, that was offered as a direct connection between Lacey and Scott was that single piece of hair that was in his boat. But mm-hmm. there wasn't any evidence inside the house that she was murdered there. Nothing. Um, so tell me what you think his motive would have been for killing her if he did kill her. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to be a dad or a family man. Okay. So I'll tell you what the Modesto police said that um, their mo- that they believe the motive was and also what the prosecution said. So mm-hmm. they, presented pre- they presented Peterson's affair as well as um, with, with Amber, as mm-hmm. well as his financial problems and his impending fatherhood as motives for murder. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, of course they're saying that like, him and Lacey were increasing um they had increased the amount of debt that they had and he just had a desire to be single again because allegedly outside of Amber Fry he had had an affair with like three other women yeah so on November 12 2004 the jury actually convicted Scott of two counts of murder um so he went to jail for everything and um his penalty of course was he was given the death sentence Mm -hmm. so um he also he was sentenced to die by lethal injection and this was on march 16th 2004 um and they also told him that he had to pay ten thousand dollars towards the cost of Lacey's funeral so the judge at the time who was alfred delucci he actually said that the murder of Lacey was cruel uncaring heartless and callous but fast forward 20 years later Mm-hmm. In 2022, modern day, Scott was actually taken off of death row in San Quentin prison. And the reason behind that was because in August of 2020, the California um, Supreme Court reversed his death sentence after finding out that jurors were actually dismissed off of basically like wrong pretenses because they partially expressed that they had objections to the death penalty on the questionnaire. So they they found that like, yeah, they probably won't find him guilty because they don't want to sentence him to death. So last December in 2022, so just a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, he was finally taken off of death row. And at this point, he was resentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So um, he tried to get a new trial, but he was actually denied. His appeal was denied. So um, he's alleging that one of the jurors by the name of yeah. Rochelle Nice committed misconduct during jury selection. But um, when... The judge and some other folks actually looked into it. They couldn't find any misconduct that happened at all. So that is what's going on with Scott now. So he is 50 years old and he is still in prison for the rest of his life. He's not getting out, um, but he went down for the murder of his wife, Lacey Peterson, and his unborn son, Connor Peterson. So do you think he did it? If I'm being honest... No. You think it was the burglar? Bur- burglar. Half of me thinks it was the burglar. I kind of think, I don't know who did it, but like, I don't know. I think Scott is dumb. I think that he's a, a, a dirtbag. 
but for some reason it's it's not giving that he killed her what was the point I, and um, I don't think it was the debt I don't think he did it with his own okay so one of my main theories too has also been that um he hired somebody to make her disappear mm. I think I I mean, I, I don't know how big their debt was. I, I did hear that they had financial troubles, but he wasn't going the route to me to make money. I feel like he knew he would come into some money, like mm-hmm. if she died, and maybe that's more so what he was waiting for, opposed to like, let me try to get some fast cash now. But then mm-hmm. I think about like, if he had to hire somebody, he would have had to pay them. Yeah. <laughs> and what money would he have done that with? Um, I don't know. This case is really, really bizarre. Like this, especially like, I think the most bizarre part is one, the state that her body was found in Two, that mm-hmm. as, as nosy as motherfuckers was that day, nobody followed that van that they swear she got snatched in. And even looking at, I was just reading the tip. I was just reading um, the transcript of the tip of the two people talking in jail. Mm-hmm. It was like a brother in, talking to his other brother about the Lacey Pearson tip. Yeah. So apparently they were connected to Steve Todd, who was one of the men that was arrested for in connection burglary. to the burglary. Mm-hmm. And they were like gossiping about it like days after. And they used the terms like, yeah, Steve's homie Lacey walked up on him and, and, and I guess um, confronted him during the burglary and he threatened her. And I'm like, I, you know, granted, mm. this is phone. Like, this is phone. So I assume, like, they're not going to say over the phone, like, yeah, and he killed her. They kidnapped her and they did this, that, and the third. Yeah. But I'm also thinking, how did this man get this information? Why, if he was really mm-hmm. trying to say something else, he would have used some more cryptic language if if they had did something else more to Lacey. I don't know. Yeah. Also, you're thinking at that time, if you're, th- if you're talking to somebody, like, you're not expecting that this case is going to blow the fuck up nationally. So I assume, mm. like, like, yes, like, whoever was in jail is a criminal, so he's not going to say, like, yeah, he killed him. I just feel like he would have used more cryptic language if Steve actually would have told him, like, yeah, we did something to Lacey Peterson. Yeah, I think for me, I do agree that the the time stamping of everything was, like, very perfect. But his memory was also, like, I'm 50-50 on it, too, because his memory was probably so good because he got questioned the same day she went missing. So it's kind of like it was it was easy for him to remember because it had just happened, right? It wasn't like it was days and days. But I do I do agree that it's very convenient that he has receipts and all this other stuff. Like, girl, do you not have any receipts I get in a day? I get a receipt and in the next two minutes, if you ask me, can you can I see a receipt? I'm like, yeah, I don't know where it is. I'm thinking about my day right now. Like you could probably only timestamp me maybe three or four times. And that's yeah. I work from home today. And so you could you you would solely have to timestamp me based off like um, meetings and phone conversations or mm-hmm. me sending a message on Slack. But I'm like, even that stuff is not trackable back. You don't know if I physically did that unless you, you're seeing my face on a computer screen. But yeah, just thinking about all the moves he made that day, they just seem so meticulous and so and calculated. calculated. And the fact that he was able to provide evidence for every single thing, it was just like a, to me, I looked at it as like, this was so calculated because he knew he wouldn't be near Lacey at the time that she would be in trouble, mm-hmm. which makes me think like, did he know those burglars? Did he know? Cause you have to realize there are three, only two of them ever got caught and they yeah. didn't name the third person. So they doubled down. It was also, was also and the other believe. one, the other burglar only got like 180 days in jail. Yeah. And I'm like, which, a al- long sentence. which also makes me believe um, if they were involved in this, like they doubled down on the information cause they didn't even give up the third person. So, and granted, mm-hmm. like by that time, police were convinced it was Scott and they, and they did put all their resources there. 
but I just feel like something else had to come out of this if she was if she was yeah. snatched there and burglarized. I, like I even down to the woman to saying even down to the woman saying they saw her squad and ping. Where? Let's go check that. Let's go mm-hmm. check and see and tra- that trace that pistol. Whatever. Right, but also can we trace can we can we match that piss and say it was hers? Like something. Like y'all tell me we ain't got mm-hmm. nothing from this neighborhood, but Did it have motherfuckers saw the, her. The, the pregnancy hormones in it. Literally. Literally, it was giving the, Truman Show. Have you seen that movie where it's like everyone's watching and this one person live life? It's like y'all could all report so much mm-hmm. about Lacey that day, but nobody can give real concrete yeah. details into what happened to her. I think the biggest thing that really like shook me up was I always thought the motive was like because he wanted to be with his mistress, and I'm like, yeah, he knew that lady for six weeks, and he only saw her four times in six weeks. He didn't give a fuck about that bitch. He was just trying to hit. Um, and he was lonely and bored, obviously. But the other thing that really just strikes me is just like the way that their bodies were found. I'm just like, Connor just got out of that woman's body. And when they said that the babies be mummifying in the mama's womb and that baby was not mummified, I'm just like, which also happening? goes, okay, 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 stay with me here, which uh-huh. also goes back to the fact that them men went to jail on January 4th. Someone had to put that girl in the water. Now, granted, it could have been the third burglar. We got it. We got it. We got to think it could have been the third burglar. Mm-hmm. But also, you have to put you have to put Scott back in the mix then as a as a mm-hmm. as a suspect. But the thing is, by this point, they still had the cameras outside. The police had a tracker on on Boy's whip, like they were on him like white on rice. So I'm like, if he was out there dumping bodies. How was he able to get how how was his ass able to get away to San Diego then if they was tracking him so bad? Well, they, they mean, never really they explained. They found him at the good. they found him at the airport, right? No, nah, they found him in um uh, in his parents' in neighborhood. In his parents' neighborhood, course. okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, by the yeah. golf course, by the golf course. I don't know why I thought it was a uh No, but they arrested him quickly because he was so close to Tijuana, they thought he was about to flee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which he probably was. I'm like, boy, hey, uh and then another part of me too is like, you know, how like sometimes people aren't guilty, but they do shit to make themselves look guilty because they're scared. Like, were you guilty or were you just like scared that you were going to have to hide and camp out because they were going to arrest you because they wanted you to be the, the person who killed, you know, um, that killed Lacey? I don't know. I think that there's more that they should have looked into. And I really wish that they would have retried this case, honestly to try and like get newer evidence now that there's like newer technology and new things out there. Like I, I would really love to see this case retry modern day, but there would probably be more evidence about where her whereabouts was and what she was doing. Cause now we have things like ring cameras and all yeah. this other stuff. Like she would have definitely been on somebody's ring or that dog. So. I just wonder when they arrested these two men, Donald Pierce, that was the other dude's name and Steven Todd. Yeah. Um, when they arrested them and they and they automatically ruled them out as suspects, because um, I'm reading an article from San Francisco Gate from back then. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, did they test their, um, did they do fingerprints? Did they test underneath their fingernails? Like, yeah, how did they rule the them? Like, how did they rule I them out? I just, just feel, like... I just feel like I, I understand when police are gung ho about like the suspect that they want, but I'm like. I just know police are also gung-ho about getting it right because they want to brag. And right now, like, they can never brag on Scott Peterson because it, no one's ever going to be convinced that they got it right because there's no evidence putting him 
There's mm-hmm. no evidence convicting him of Lacey Peterson's, you know, murk. Like there, there is none. This is all, this was all jury. This was all jury. This was all like. This was all circumstantial. Circumstantial. So. And I'm like, outside of that drop of blood that was in his car from the toolbox. I mean, like, it's not like they found like a OD ke- cleaning chemical or agent in his car that it was like, yeah, he cleaned up the blood or anything like that. And I'm like, you already know if if it was a struggle, anything like that, and it had, he had one drop of blood, like, it's going to be more than one drop of blood. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like, oh, he just got a paper cut. Like, it's, it's about to be blood. I'm, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's some missing pieces that somebody didn't put together. I don't think he's like, he's not a completely innocent man. I just don't know if he's guilty of murdering Lacey. Oh, they got, they got polygraph tested. Which we all know is some bullshit. That's like, I didn't, I didn't mention this episode, but I mentioned it quickly. One of the, the witnesses that, um, that came forward and said that she saw Lacey and she knew Lacey, the -hmm. police had her, the police really be doing some weird stuff, man. (laughs) Um, the police had her talk to a hip, uh, a hypnosis and she was hypnotized and they wanted to like get some different kind of confession out of her about seeing Lacey or not. And then it became basically like inadmissible in court because they were like a hypnosis. Nah, y'all can't, we can't use her as a witness. Like, yeah, I read that. I was very weirded out by that, but also our guy, Donald Pierce, one of the burglars, he had six, six, six tattooed on his forehead. Yeah, he is scary looking motherfucker. I just don't but like these these scary looking motherfuckers look like they could have did it. Lacey, tell us. You and Robert Wani to stop playing and let let the motherfucking <laughs> let the world know. Let the truth sing. And I'm gonna send you some of the stuff that I've been watching. Like when I tell you there's like a brigade of like legal people, a lot of people that are just like yeah, I God think Scott Peterson it. is a dirtbag, but I don't think he killed Lacey. Mm-hmm. You know, I the jurors know. wrote a book. I want to read the book. Oh, they did? The jurors on the case wrote a book afterwards, and it's called We the Jury. And I guess, I mean, I ho- I would love to know, like, from their point of view, like, how they, they thought- could, what was their thought process when they convicted him? Yep. Mm. Well, y'all. We didn't take it up a lot of y'all time today. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me read through this real quick. We got to okay. this out because this is very interesting. <sighs> Stephen Todd claims that he when he broke into the house, he was on a bike. But they took a safe. Uh 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 uh. After finding the safe, he said he broke into the house. So basically, he's saying the burglary wasn't planned. He knew that they weren't home because he had drove by their house um, multiple times. This is this is this is back when when they were saying when Stephen was trying to say um, mm-hmm. if you know the burglary actually happened on the twenty sixth, but he was fucking lying. Um, he said he he kept riding by their house. He seen that they had mail sticking out of the mailbox. That's how he knew that they weren't home. When he broke in, he saw the safe and he contacted um, Glenn Pierce. Glenn Pierce drove to Stephen to Stephen Todd, who was at the Medina house, in his mother's small four-door white Honda. Is mail delivered on Christmas Eve? I don't know. I think it depends on the. I think it depends on the service in that area. Because I'm like, they was only gone for two days. How much mail was really in that damn mailbox? And, and he don't. He don't want to admit that he was just. He was scouting, and he probably saw them pack up their car and leave. 
but also why out of all neighborhoods why that one and i think it had to be something bigger than scotland because these people actually had a safe with jewelry packed in it inside of their home like you was casing the joint for more than oh i rode past and saw some mail sticking out yep steven todd is a motherfucking pathological ass liar i hope he don't hear this don't come murder me <laughs> well i'm sure he probably didn't commit another crime he in jail for like now Okay, so here's one thing that all that always stuck out to me too. Uh-huh. So some witnesses said they saw Lacey being harassed by two men in a park, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's counts of her arguing with or, or confronting. I just don't see how motherfuckers could have saw her confronting. I still, I, do, I just really don't believe something makes me uncomfortable. I, I just don't believe she was confronting burglars outside of her home and no one else came and also confronted to scare mm-hmm. them off. Like that to me is unbelievable. Like I feel like if she, I feel like if she really confronted these people, nobody's seen it. Like whatever really happened between her and those burglars, nobody really seen it. Like Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no way. And now, and now Steven Todd trying to tell me he pulled up in a Honda, but y'all saying y'all saw a van, and then y'all saying y'all saw her arguing with two motherfuckers in the park, and then what? Like I do remember that explicitly. Like they were saying she was arguing with two men in a park, and then they were following her. She was walking her dog and yelling at her. Well, guys, we thank you so much for tuning into another episode of The Point of No Return. I'm Amanda. And I'm Michelle Graham. And I don't know what the fuck really happened. Yeah. Yeah. Leave us some comments, please. Let's wrap. Because I don't know if we know who killed Lacey. Scott, if you hear this, holla at us. Uh, Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>